your listeners are going to be on these devices, and there's different rules for trying to get their attention and keep their attention on these devices. And I, I think that's what stations have to start thinking about. If you have built your news operation around being part of your audience's morning routine, suddenly you're competing with some of the biggest, most innovative companies in the world for your listeners' attention. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Paul Reismandel, and I'm one of your co-hosts and co-producers. Hello, everybody. My name is Eric Klein, other co-host and co-producer of Radio Survivor. Thanks for listening. And today we're going to get into the world of smart speakers, whether it's an Amazon Echo or a Google Home or Apple's forthcoming smart speaker. Yeah, or a yet-to-be-determined fourth competitor from in the market. Samsung yeah. or who They're knows. Coming. It's the future of radio, probably. It seems that way. So we're going to try and get ahead of the curve and learn more about what this means for community radio, what it means for independent podcasters, and really what it means for local journalism in particular. So we're really happy to have join us in a few minutes, Brian Edwards Teekert. Um, he is a journalist and host at KPFA Community Radio in Berkeley, California. Yep. As well, he just finished up a, a journalism fellowship at yeah, Stanford the John University. S, the John S. Knight Fellowship at Stanford, known as the Knight Fellowship colloquially in journalism circles. Where he got to spend some time thinking about hard questions of what the digital world means for journalism and, and civic society. So um, we're really delighted that Brian could join us, and, and he's got a lot of of uh, research and wisdom uh, to share with us. But, you know, uh, much of what we do here on Radio Survivor is relies on the internet. We all rely on the internet every day. Uh, RadioSurvivor.com, of course, is an internet uh, site, and we distribute the show as a podcast. So the internet matters to us. And as we've talked about uh, recently, the internet is under threat again at the FCC. Network neutrality, the open internet order, is something which the current FCC chairman under President Trump, uh, Ajit Pai, would like to do away with. And that He's had it out for net neutrality long before Donald Trump came indeed. to dominate politics in indeed. the Republican Party. Yes, yes. He was uh, on the FCC during the Obama administration. He's a Republican. And uh, he opposed the open internet order when it was passed two years ago. A Verizon lobbyist. If I'm not a mistaken. former Verizon lobbyist. Yes, indeed. Uh, and now that he's in the driver's seat as chairman, he, uh, he is gunning. He's got it in his sight and he's yeah, Putting so we've, we've talked about net neutrality and Ajit Pai on a few recent episodes of the Radio Survivor podcast. What's new? What's new is that there's going to be an internet-wide day of action to save net neutrality on July 12th. And so what's happening here is that organizations and companies are joining together to kind of raise awareness and really encourage people to let the FCC in particular know what you think about this, why the internet is important, and why you're concerned that losing these these uh, protections uh, could harm uh, civic engagement, could harm uh, what we do on the internet, could, could really impede what we do every day, and perhaps get in the way of innovation, get in the way of uh, new startups or, or new uh, civically-minded nonprofits doing their business on the internet. Sure, a click, a click on a 
on your favorite podcast should have the same speed as a click on uh, some massively well-funded corporate content. Exactly. That that's, that's exactly net neutrality. Yeah, that's exactly. That's right in a nutshell. And so, our Brave Survivor is joining on as a partner to support this, and we want to let you know that you can learn more at battleforthenet.com. And that's where you can learn more about what's at stake. And they also make it easy for you to submit your comments to the FCC on this particular order. And we'll we'll be investigating this more. You know, we talk with our colleague Matthew Lassar who teaches history at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and who is a, a deep expert on the FCC, is an historian of the FCC. Uh, that was a couple of episodes ago, and, and you can find out more uh, at our show notes, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. But he really explained why it is important for citizens, yeah. for average people to comment to the FCC because it, it becomes part of the record. There is evidence that, that civic engagement in FCC policy matters. It's yeah. not it's not just wind that blows through the ears of the FCC. It actually ends up on the record and judges uh will look at that and Matthew also breaks down um how to matter a little bit more if you if you want your your voice to matter. There's there's ways to weight your comments. And so Exactly. Highly recommended that episode. But, I mean the short part of it is is that it's inevitable if the FCC votes to repeal net neutrality in the open internet order. It's inevitable that that will be challenged in court. Yeah. And all those comments that people submit to the FCC will be part of the record and will be things that the folks challenging the order can draw upon to build yeah. their case and for actual judicial review. It didn't, really makes a difference. Didn't you also blog on this for Radio Survivor to break it down into one post so that people could read it instead of having to listen to our episode with Matthew? Absolutely. So we'll get that into our show notes. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This is episode 96. We just wanted to bring that to your attention and we'll be talking more about it as we approach July 12th. But now, we're going to learn more about smart speakers. We're joined on the line by Brian Edwards Tiekert, host of KPFA's Upfront and a recent John S. Knight Fellowship at Stanford graduate. Is that an appropriate way to say? You you didn't graduate. I don't think I graduated. I got a certificate of completion. Completed the John S. Knight Fellowship at Stanford, which, That's right. which is a place where you go to I have a solve... Piece of paper, I have a piece of paper that says you hung out at Stanford for a year. To solve problems in journalism. Or at least think about them. To think about them. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us today. We might talk about problems in journalism, but we're, we're going to start by talking about uh, some work that you just did to uh, dig into smart speakers and how they relate to radio newsrooms, especially uh, small newsrooms at community radio. So uh, thanks for joining us. Alexa is always listening. Well, so I think it would help. I mean, I think people probably have heard about smart speakers, but I think it's really good to explain what we mean when we're talking about a a smart speaker. Brian, can can you kind of lay it out for us what, what these things are? Yeah, so um, it's a speaker that is connected to the internet that you control with your voice. And it's being driven by uh, some of like the sophisticated artificial intelligence algorithms that large tech companies are now training to basically be able to read the internet to you. Um, and to deliver things to you over the speaker, like newscasts, podcasts, radio streams. 
uh, in the case of Amazon, which built the first one of these, it's also something you can shop through, uh, redo your calendar, tell you traffic conditions, call you an Uber, and they're kind of bolting new services and functions on every week. And yeah, right now it's sort of the new um, competitive gadget. All the big tech companies are releasing these. Apple, Amazon, and Google each have a product on the market. Apple's is not here yet. Yeah, Apple will be out in December. Oh, okay. I, I can't um, afford any of them, so they're all just speculative in my, to my and pocketbook. And prob- probably Samsung and Microsoft will come out with something right. in this space at some point. And so this is a speaker that I, that I put in my house, and it's sort of always listening to me, right? Because it needs to be ready for when I say, hi, Alexa, or hi, Google, and ask it to do something, Play right? Play me the headlines. Yeah, it's, it's always monitoring, and there's a trigger word. Right, so the microphone's always on, and when the little processor in the speaker perceives the trigger word, uh, in the case of Amazon's device, it's Alexa. Um, then it listens to everything and processes everything you say after that point and tries to produce results wow. that are satisfactory to you. But I, I think you know, saying these are new gadgets is probably underselling it. The technology here is the digital assistant. It's the intelligence that's driving the gadget, uh, and that's going to go into car dashboards. Right, people are going to be like giving orders to an internet connected device orally in their cars in a very short period of time. And it's a play by these technology companies to kind of fill up every space in your life uh, where you can't be using a screen to get information. So it, it's really in the attention economy, they're trying to move into that place that has been reserved for radio. Right. And that's why we're talking about it here, because you've been thinking about what these things like the Amazon Echo or the Amazon Tap mean for for radio, for journalism, and particularly, I think, for, for sort of community-oriented newsrooms. Like, I, And can we ask you just straight out, like, like what does it mean? What If I'm in, in a newsroom somewhere, what do I need to know about these things? Well, so, you know, the big thing is your listeners are going to wind up on them. Right. Um, The growth rate is really explosive. Uh, Year over year, it's going up about 130 percent. It's estimated that it'll be about 15 percent of American households have one of these by the end of this year. Uh, That percentage is going to be much higher if you are urban, coastal and relatively affluent. And demographically, it's the people that terrestrial radio has been losing. Like the, the heaviest penetration is in the 25 to 35 bracket. So your listeners are going to be on these devices and there's different rules for trying to get their attention and keep their attention on these devices. And I I think that's what stations have to start thinking about. Also, um, the platforms, the companies that have made the interfaces, Amazon and Google, have not made it easy for anybody working on a local news product to keep doing what they're doing. What do you mean? Yeah, kind of break that down. So if you think about kind of like how the FM ecosystem works, there's basically only 25 spots on the dial. There's more now that there's LPFM licensing. But for for the vast majority of FM broadcasting history in the United States, uh, you could guarantee that if you had a broadcast license in your metro area, uh, someone who's a regular radio listener is going to happen across you at some point by spinning their dial. And if what you have on the air is good enough... Uh, and kind of tells them what they're listening to and what's coming next and gives them a reason to stick around, you'll have a new listener. And you don't have to worry uh, that much about finding channels to introduce them to you. Now, you're in a space where, like, the entire internet is what's on the dial. 
you know, every radio station everywhere, plus 300,000 podcasts, plus several thousand flash briefings, which are a news format that are native to these devices. And they're only very broadly categorized. It's like, here's everything in politics, everything in international news, everything in economics. But nobody who's designing the platforms of the directories is saying, here's what's near you. Here's local news. Um, here are broadcasters covering your community. So you have this huge audience discovery problem um, if you are trying to bring on board new, younger listeners uh, who are getting audio through these devices. And that's a fixable problem. You know what I mean? Like, like Amazon, which is the dominant player in this field, owns the platform. They set the rules. They could easily let you set a location for your news product uh, and then recommend news things from near you to people who are on their devices. They just haven't done it or haven't done it yet. But this doesn't sound too different than, I mean, the problem of the internet, right? That when you go from the radio with your 25 or 30 stations to the internet with an infinite number of stations, it feels like uh, discoverability is a problem there too, you know, if depending on what you're looking for. So why would it, this problem be more pronounced or more pernicious on, a, uh, on an Amazon Echo? Well, I, you know, I think it comes down to design considerations. Um, so if you're talking specifically about audio on the internet, uh, the dominant streaming service is TuneIn. TuneIn actually does have a near you directory, right? Um, if you go through their directory of broadcasters, they show the radio stations that are in your area as one of the options. Uh, probably based on feedback that they got from terrestrial broadcasters who they were trying to maintain amicable relationships with, because that was the majority of their content for a long time. So it really comes down to a question of the priorities of the companies. But I, I think it's worth thinking about the problem you used to solve in radio was getting people to keep listening. And you didn't worry so much about how they started listening. And now the problem that you have to solve for, uh, which you've had to solve for for a long time in the digital space, but I think is more pronounced on these devices, uh, is how do you get people to start listening? Right. Uh, and then keeping, keeping them is as big a challenge as it ever was. And that's something which we've talked about quite a bit here, actually, on Radio Survivor, in helping broadcasters understand that shift to podcasting, which I think is, is sort of natively has that problem of, of discoverability because it's, it's not fixed to a location in the way that radio is. And therefore, not, you know, someone has to go look for your show and decide they want to listen to it. And we've thought about it on the one hand as less of a technical problem or a technology problem and more of a, a problem of making sure that your show meets the needs of listeners. It's attractive to them uh, so that they might want to try it in the first place. But it seems like here it's even another layer of problem because I'm thinking about, I don't own an echo or a Google home, but I'm thinking your only interface is to talk to it. It, there's nothing to view and to even it's 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 i wonder does the mm. listener even know the right. right question to ask in the first place exactly there there is no serendipitous discovery huh. there is no like googling an article about the 10 best podcasts you've never heard of that you should try out right you only get what you know how to ask for already so I, I think in, in the podcast system, if you look at what the chart-topping podcasts are, the vast majority of them for a long time have always been productions that were associated with already existing national brands. 
like NPR, right. like like WBEZ, this American Exactly. Pe- people go into the iTunes directory. They are confronted with over 200,000 options for podcasts. They search on what they already know. And NPR is something people already have really strong brand awareness of. Because if they lift into a public broadcasting station, they hear the letters NPR three times during the first five minutes of every hour during news headlines. And there's this feedback effect because iTunes is driven by charts. So things that are popular go to the top of the charts and become more popular because most people never look past the top 10. Well, if if you're a local podcast or a local broadcast, if you're only targeting the people in one metropolitan area out of a country of almost 300 million people, you're practically guaranteed to never top a national chart. Um, So you really amplify the power of national brands at the expense of local productions that serve a really important civic purpose. Right. And and that gets amplified then in in this other environment where there is no particular search. And so, I mean, I I assume that you've had a chance to to really play with and test out uh, these sorts of smart speakers. I mean, what happens if I say – Hey, Alexa, uh, tell me the news. What do I get? Um, I have one. Do you want me to, to, to do that and we can, we can <laughs> illustrate your question? Yeah, let, let's go ahead and let, let's go for it. Alexa, tell me the news. Here's your flash briefing. In BBC News from TuneIn. Hmm. BBC News with Marianne Marshall. President Trump Interesting. Yeah. Immediately okay, cool. His Barack uh, and then if the I'm tired of hearing news from BBC, I can say, Alexa, skip sided. this. In NPR News from TuneIn. Huh. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jim Kane. President Trump is overturning some okay, of his Alexa, stop. policies. What about... Speaking to Alexa, Trump, stop. <laughs> what about news near you? What about news in your city? Yeah. Nothing. Draws a big fat blank. Hmm. Wait, do it. Now I have to turn it back on. Uh. So you have to turn it off while we're talking. Otherwise, every time I say the magic word, uh, it's going to jump in and try to interpret what I say afterwards. That's just awful. Uh, Alexa, what's news near me? Here's your flash briefing. In BBC News. <laughs> what about if you use the name of your city? I'm getting addicted to this already. This might not be uh, the best use of the radio program, but I'm excited. Ask it, ask it for news in the Bay Area. Alexa, what's news in the Bay Area? Here's your flash briefing. In BBC News. Oh, that's pathetic. Oh, my goodness. I feel like, <laughs> yes, I feel like it's, it's like I'm talking to uh, Eliza, you know, the, the pseudo AI program developed in the 70s, where after a certain point, you're really just repeating yourself. But that's something they can fix, right, Brian? Do you have any indication that they... That they care yeah, about not, this problem? Not only is it something they can fix, it's something that may fix itself because what's driving these are machine learning algorithms. Mm. Um, so partly what you're doing by talking to this thing is building the training set of data that they are feeding into giant servers that are figuring out what people are asking for, testing, providing different results figuring out when people are happy with those results or when they like tune away or, or try to get something else really quickly uh, and then recalibrating how the thing works. Wow. So putting, um, so putting so aside... I, I think it would actually take an explicit effort on the part of engineers and developers to bring some kind of local news discovery, but the data that they're getting from their users will surface whether that's an actual concern that they should prioritize. Huh. So put like, it, they, they can see every question that people aren't happy with the answer to. 
Yeah. So putting aside the like dystopian big brother fears for a minute and like this, this here podcast and other efforts may very well help, uh, solve the problem if, if there's a more widespread, uh, uh, attempt to keep asking these smart speakers the questions they can't answer, they might learn the answer. So if everyone asks for local news and then expresses displeasure with the, the results, uh, the results might change in the near future. Yeah, I think if you ask a question and it starts to give you a result and you cut it off and ask for something else really quick, um, that raises a flag on Amazon's end saying we should fix how we answer this result is the way to think about it. I noticed that uh, the news came via TuneIn. So TuneIn Radio, TuneIn.com. Um, do you know, is that like an explicit partnership? Is that something, is that a partner of uh, Amazon to provide this content to the smart speaker? I don't, I mean, I think they're just using the API for TuneIn. I don't know if there is a formal partnership and not everything is served from TuneIn. So it is like searching other services. If I ask for a station that's owned by iHeartRadio, it'll be served by iHeartRadio, not TuneIn. And it would not surprise me if NPR starts serving its own stuff through NPR One. But right now, you know, TuneIn was kind of already there with a comprehensive directory of all radio stations and a lot of podcasts and an open API for developers to plug into. Ah. Yeah. And TuneIn already, I think, has these deals with like the BBC or NPR because you're getting these – headline news segments you're not just getting the live stream right which is often what people look to for tune in but you're getting this sort of custom made digested uh segments that are relatively up to the minute at the same time so there's some other deal going on there they're taking the same headline feeds that they give to affiliate stations turning them into an rss feed uh and then you uh you know in in the configuration of your device you select that as one of your flash briefings one of the news products it bundles but you can ask for a live stream you know like i can pick up my device and say alexa play bbc bbc tees from TuneIn. yeah there's no musical instruments at all hmm. and they did they did a cover of queen's bohemian rhapsody oh wow anyways no, I, I don't know which of like BBC's many like live linear formatted audio broadcast properties that is. Um, but if I asked for a specific one, I would probably get that one. If you ask for a radio station by its call letters, most of the time you'll get that radio station if it understands you correctly. If you ask by call letters and frequency, you always get the radio station. But it comes back to that original problem we were discussing. You only get what you already know how to ask for. Yeah. Hey, we're and it's on, not always obvious. We're on the line with Brian Edwards Tickert here at Radio Survivor. My name is Eric Klein. I'm here with Paul Reismandel, and we're talking with Brian about smart speakers and uh, I guess the future of radio and through journalism. these things. Yes, yeah, and we're doing that not because again. It seems like every episode we have to say no one we're not we're not being sponsored by Amazon Alexa here. <laughs> it's because um, these things are selling themselves. They're doing quite well uh, without Radio Survivor. Uh, they're coming onto the market really fast, and they're going to change how people listen to radio. And so then. I'm sitting here, if I'm sitting here and I'm in a community radio newsroom or or a small public radio station newsroom and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm supposed to respond to this. What in the heck am I supposed to do? How do I respond to this? Well, so first thing is figure out 
uh, like what the magic words are to get people listening to what you're already doing. So like I was playing around asking for radio stations in the Bay Area where I live. And I discovered that if I ask for KALW, which is like our, our second tier, more indie NPR affiliated station, uh, it draws a blank on the Google Home. Oh, which sad. Is another one of these devices. Uh, because the Google Home phoneticizes the call letters. And after much experimentation, I discovered it wants me to say call W. <laughs> wow. Or, or sorry, call or something like that. Um, but if I ask for KLW 91.7, mm. I'll get this station every time. Better brand. So uh. before a whole ton of your listeners, if you're KLW, get these devices, ask for you a couple times, then give up and then forget about you. Maybe you want to run a card or an announcement saying, uh, if you have a Google Home, uh, all you have to do to stream us is say, play KLW 91.7. Yeah. Like, solve that problem for your listeners. Same goes for, you know, if you have podcasts up, figuring out what the magic words are that get the podcast and telling your listeners through the channels of communication you already have with them. If you have an uh, email newsletter you send out, if you have a website, um, your social media channels, those are going to have more overlap with people who are likely to be early adopters of these devices, but using your air as well. And that's just kind of, you know, basic sonic branding and audience education and doesn't require you to build anything new. So the second question is, do you want to build a feed of a, a kind of daily news product like you just heard from the BBC? Or another good example would be The Daily from the New York Times, their new daily podcast. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that was really built with these smart speakers mm. in mind, like it was built to play well in this space. Do you want to build something that goes there? And if you do, what do you want to do with it? You know, if you build a five or 20 minute daily news product or take one you're already doing and put it on the device, uh, you're not going to run a fun drive in five or 20 minutes. There's no donate button on the devices yet. Uh, the early experiments with embedding underwriting credits in five-minute headlines from NPR really ticked off listeners, and they stopped doing it huh. because basically people don't want to hear 30 seconds of advertisement with five minutes of news. Like, the ratio is just not what they expect from public broadcasting. But what you can do is you can sign off by telling people what else to do, like giving them the magic words. You know, you can sign off by saying, for more from our radio station, just say... Alexa, play KPFA. KPFM Balik Papan from Tunia. <laughs> and there she is misunderstanding what I was asking for. <laughs> um, but so I, I think it's important thinking about how people are going to know how to find you who are already your listeners that you don't want to lose. Um, and then if you're introducing yourself to people in that space, where are you steering them to after they listen to your native product? But that whole native product, right? At the moment, I might be sitting here going, that would be great for me to set up. And let's say I do have a few minutes of uh, local news that we air on the hour that we could we could turn into this package. I'm sitting here going, but, I mean, will anyone hear it? And will I even know yeah. if they hear it? Do, how do I even know that but, it's what's, – what's, what's the return on I'm, this investment? I'm worrying also about uh – uh, you know, you build you build this for Amazon. Do I have to build something separate for Google and then something else for Apple oh, yeah. and then something else for the next? Yeah. So I, I built one for Amazon. It's not that hard. You fill out a form and you plug in an RSS feed um, and you make sure the RSS feed fits their specification. So it's like Basically, a podcast in that a, case. It's a podcast. Yeah. And you could plug the same feed uh, into products from multiple different devices. And if you are a station that's already producing uh, headlines during the day, 
or if you know like i do an interview show we're going to try to take an interview a day and put it into a feed for one of these things Hmm. when i go back to my job i think you can get the workflow pretty simple amazon just two weeks ago rolled out a analytics dashboard for those flash briefings so now you can actually see in pretty granular detail not only how many people are listening but how long they're listening for like when audience starts to drop off or skip ahead to their next flash briefing which can be really useful feedback for you actually to kind of tweak what you're doing so if you can play there if you have something that might already play there i think it's probably worth putting in that space and then the third thing is It would not surprise me because there's this feature war going on between these different companies. I mean, Amazon and Google are like in intense competition. Amazon one week is like, we're going to let you call other uh, Amazon-enabled devices with your voice. And then a week after that, Google's like, we're going to let you call any telephone in the world using your device. Mm. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, for the sake of creating a competitive advantage, one of them creates a local news discovery function uh, in hopes that it will get existing radio stations promoting their platform more. If you already have something built and up and running on the device the first day there's a local directory and you're one of only a handful of things there you'll suddenly introduce yourself to a lot of new listeners in a way you won't have an opportunity to if you do it three or four months later when it feels a lot more crowded. Brian Edwards-Tiekert, as part of your work with this uh, this exploration during your John S. Knight Fellowship at Stanford, didn't you try to ask uh, the Amazon people to, to put this feature in? Yeah, yeah, I put in an official request for an interview and comment. Got nothing. Worked some back channels through people who knew people at Amazon. Got nothing. They're all holding their cards really close to their chest. And also, you know, this is the same problem with all the big platforms. They do not perceive themselves as being in the news business. Right. And having the kind of public accountability or transparency responsibilities uh, that a prior generation of news organizations felt. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised we're having this conversation and we haven't even said the words Facebook yet. Mm-hmm. When's Facebook's smart speaker coming? What They're way behind here. Or Snapchat. There's... N- Yeah, there's no rumors about Facebook doing it. And I I don't know what they're thinking about that space. Right, because they're they're not in, they don't... They don't do hardware. They had the phone and they ditched that. And I think maybe they're they're going to be a little smart and realize that they're not in the hardware business. So it's a matter of where they partner. Whereas Amazon got into the hardware business. Well, and they're also not in the content business, right? Right. I mean... Amazon owns Audible. You can listen to your audiobooks over your speaker. It kind of locks you into their content ecosystem. Yeah. If you have a Kindle Fire Stick attached to your TV, you can tell the thing to broadcast a show, uh, a streaming video available to you through Amazon Prime to the TV. Like It enhances their consumer's connection to all these other products where they make money. If you've got the Google Home, it connects you to your Google Calendar and your Gmail email and your Google Maps locations and... They're going to be placing phone calls through Google Voice. So there's this kind of network effect with the other services um, that these companies already have up and running. And it's not clear to me what that network effect would be for Facebook. Right, right. And I think that, you know, here the, the difficult question here, I think, is going to be for a lot of folks in community radio because historically community radio leans progressive politically. And there's probably a lot of skepticism amongst people either in community radio or amongst their listeners or amongst uh, their volunteers or supporters of 
the growing power of an Amazon, the power of Google, any of these large any corporations these large that are private, really com- not controlled. private, but publicly traded, yeah. you know, and not to mention um, helping give the listeners to your station over to these platforms to data mine. Yeah, their, what, what are your their listeners? Preferences. Yeah, I think that there were, there were, are will be some concerns that of listeners feeling like, well, are you sending me somewhere where I will be data mined, where my uh, privacy might be subject to question? I mean, do you have any any advice or any feedback for stations that are that are thinking about this? Is the trade off worth it? Can they justify it to some of their uh, listeners and their stakeholders? So those are all totally real concerns. Uh, you basically have a microphone on all the time in your house once you bring these in. Both companies uh, kind of have their privacy safeguards and technical safeguards and privacy spelled out, uh, how long they keep data, when they destroy it, when they anonymize it. And, you know, given the the track record and the history of the relationship between the government and large tech companies on uh, things like secret surveillance warrants, um, there's not a great reason to think they will always be compliant with their published rules. But, you know, I think of it from the perspective of a community radio station. You're not going to make or break the adoption of these platforms, people are going to be using them regardless, right? Uh, I might think it's awful for people to spend as much time on Facebook as they do. I I, I tend to feel that way. But the fact is, there's 1.8 billion people on there. They're not going away. Uh, And if you're in the media business and you want to reach people and you're not doing anything on Facebook, you're not being very effective. I think you have to approach the speakers the same way, like with a healthy amount of cynicism, but with pragmatism about the fact that they're out there, they're growing rapidly, they're taking up the space in people's lives that FM radio receivers used to. Uh, And if you're not thinking about how that changes your relationship to your audience, how that changes the way people listen, you're going to be left behind and something important is going to be lost in that process. We're on the line with Brian Edwards Teekert talking about smart speakers and community radio audiences because uh, Brian just completed the John S. Knight Fellowship at Stanford, uh, where one of the projects that he worked on was writing a post on Medium titled, Will Alexa Destroy Us? Uh, the us in that case was was a little radio, right? Listener-sponsored radio. I, why I specifically care about local news? You know, a lot of what happens in community radio is eclectic music, and it's interesting, and it's great, and it would be sad to see it go away, but I think there's, like, a real, like, fundamental democratic society problem when our local news ecosystem erodes. Uh, It's been absolutely tragic to see what's happened in the newspaper industry, and I feel like the writing's on the wall for radio. When we look at demographics... Uh, everybody's still making their budget because baby boomers are listening more as they retire and donating more because they have more disposable income at this point in their lives. But we are not bringing younger listeners on board to replace them as they age out and die off. Uh, and, and that's like a, a, a cliff that we're approaching. And in a lot of places, as the newspaper industry has retreated from covering local news, you know, as it's had its uh, revenues just kind of sucked away by the digital shift, uh, it's been nonprofit public media newsrooms that have, in many places, remained the sole source of local reporting. That's incredibly important. It's like 
two and a half trillion dollars that get spent every year by local and state governments in this country. And the amount of reporters that are looking into how it gets spent, how decisions are made, uh, who's being put in office to be in charge of it, uh, has shrunk in a lot of places by more than 50 percent over the last 50 years. Yeah. Alexa, tell me what just happened at City Hall today (laughs) would be a a good question to train it to answer. So the way you're laying it out then, Brian, is that it's an opportunity of sorts that is something we're very early on in the curve, right? So the adoption curve, these are not in every home. I I I think there are limited opportunities. I think there is a bigger threat and... How what I'm approaching it as is how do you mitigate that threat? How do you mitigate the threat of just kind of being replaced in right. your audience's life? And there may be bigger opportunities on the horizon. And so right now, then, does it seem like if you're creating the content for an Alexa or a Google Home, does it need to be short form? Can will an hour interview will an hour radio survivor podcast is that suitable or or do folks need to be thinking about these headline news uh, types of formats? I think what's going to do well here, and this is based on kind of our in depth interviews with people who are early adopters of these devices uh, and what we've been able to glean from published surveys of users of the devices. Well, we can glean about listener behaviors they are most heavily used in the morning when people are getting ready to get out of the house. And we can expect that when the digital assistants move into dashboards, they'll be used like terrestrial radio. People will be using them on their commutes. Daily news and information products will do well in that context. They don't have to be incredibly short, but an hour is a stretch because you are not brushing your teeth and eating breakfast for an hour when you're in a hurry. And you're probably going to want news from multiple sources. You know, the New York Times, the Daily, typically 12 to 20 minutes long, one to two deep dive interviews. It's been doing fantastically, including on these platforms. NPR is up early, trying to optimize for their parameters as well. One thing I think to think of about how this is different from podcasting is that the devices will only ever play you the latest installment of your feed. Whether it's a flash briefing or whether you're asking for a podcast like This American Life, they're only ever going to play you the latest episode. Hmm. So the long tail from like really beautifully produced evergreen storytelling, you know what I mean? Like, like the back catalog of 99% Invisible, that is of diminished value for people who are listening through these devices. And what is of more value the way the devices are set up is frequently updated news and information. Hmm. So what if I am, let, let me just pretend I'm Roman Mars, though my, I don't nearly have you gotta, his You got to lower your voice yeah, and then whisper I, into this yes, microphone. I, I, would one strategy be to create a feed specifically for an Alexa and kind of have it update I, I every day so. with my back catalog? So that every day there's I mean, a new 99% invisible uh, instead of every week. Yeah, no, because look, Ro- Roman's not in the news business, mm-hmm. right? Roman's not running a newsroom. And frankly, like Roman's never been in the space that a terrestrial radio station is, where he's like your yeah. go-to daily commute listening. Except when he was um, at KALW San Francisco. But that's just a connection that I had to make right now. Yeah. 
But he's producing these things that are so beautiful that people will seek them out, uh, even when there are relatively high hurdles to getting them. By what? By high hurdles, I mean like downloading and installing a podcast app, uh, going to the directory, searching for the podcast by name, putting it in your queue, and then every time you want to listen to it, taking your phone out of your pocket, unlocking your screen, opening the podcast app, uh, selecting his latest episode <laughs> you, and hitting play. You make it sound like you're going to break a sweat. <laughs> well, look, it's it's a lot of friction. I yeah. think it's one of the explanations for why 13 years into the advent of podcasting, uh, regular users are still only about a quarter of the population. The smart speakers are f- much more frictionless. You ask for something, you get it. You know, n- no menus, no apps, no unlocks, no plugging in earbuds and sticking them in your ears. But they're not going to be for that type of content. But I, I don't think the smart speakers threaten the distribution channel someone like Roman Mars already has. I just think if if that's what you're already doing, this is not a space that's worth a lot of your attention, that's, mm. that's worth playing in. But if you're doing news... Right. If you're doing city hall and weather and traffic, if you have built your news operation around being part of your audience's morning routine, suddenly you are competing with some of the biggest, most innovative companies in the world for your listeners' attention. Uh, And you're either going to compete with their platforms or play on their platforms. Uh, And if you try to do the former, you're going to lose. You know, it brings up an interesting tension. Uh, in public radio, one that's existed now for quite some time between NPR, the network, and the local affiliates. Because it seems to me right now in the environment, your local affiliate that might have its own news organization is in a way competing with those NPR headline news in the way that uh, many affiliates were upset with the fact uh, when NPR programming first became available on the internet, were upset with that because it meant that listeners would circumvent the local affiliate to hear national programming. That's still, I think, a sore point in in some cases, but has been worked out to some extent uh, between uh, NPR and and the affiliates. But but right now, I mean, that seems to be a reality that you would be competing against NPR. Well, sort of. I mean, NPR is an interesting case, though, right? Because it's controlled by its affiliate stations. Like, they, they are who sit on its board. So uh, there's some kind of accountability based into its organizational and governance structure. Um, So as a national brand, I think there is no question that NPR dominates in this digital space. But if that means that NPR starts raising more money directly, uh, theoretically, it means it can charge less in affiliate fees to its stations, like it can return the value. Or uh, like it's doing on the NPR One app, it can steer audiences who come to it seeking national programs that they identify by name back to local news yeah. if they're feeding things into the NPR One app. So I think like kind of, of of all the corners of the ecosystem, there is a large institution that is actually trying to design in a way that supports healthy local news. I think the bigger problem is that Uh, for a lot of stations and local news departments, they spent decades trying to create a seamless sound on the air where they sounded as much like NPR as possible and kind of disappeared into its sonic brand. Uh, And that keeps them from differentiating themselves, Hmm. right? Uh, Creating something that their listeners identify as them. Yeah. 
Like if I, if I talked to 10 listeners to KQED, our major NPR affiliate here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and asked them what they listened to, uh, I can guarantee you more than six of them would say I listen to NPR. They wouldn't say I listen to KQED. Right. I mean, it's the same thing um, and, that if you if you were to ask a television viewer, though, like, what do you watch? They might say Channel Four or something like that, yeah. but they're very unlikely mm-hmm. to to whip out the uh, the call letters, despite all the investment that local television stations make into it. They often will say, "Well, I watch NBC. You know, I watch ABC. Mm-hmm. I watch PBS." So, I mean, it's right. a similar so they, problem. They, they, yeah. Yeah, and and this is a major problem for you because the first time these people land on a digital platform, whether it's the iTunes podcast directory or whether it's a uh, Amazon uh, smart speaker, they're going to look for what they already listen to. And if they identify that as NPR, they're going to look for NPR. In that case, uh, NPR is going to make some good faith efforts to steer them back to their local stations. But pretty much everywhere else, that kind of symbiotic relationship doesn't exist. We've been talking to Brian edwards Teekert about smart speakers and how they impact uh, community radio stations that we care about the most. And Brian has had a, a few recommendations for people who are producers at these sorts of radio stations of how they can um, get ahead of what he's described. I'm going to paraphrase as a speeding train heading straight towards them and uh, get out in front and produce some content that might play on these smart speakers. Brian, you also... Um, you have a smart speaker. What do you listen to? So I, I have two. I've been playing with uh, the Google Home, which has been in existence for a little bit less than a year, uh, and with one of Amazon's devices. And uh, on Amazon, I have queued up BBC headlines, NPR headlines, the Daily from the New York Times, the Gist from Slate, and 90 Seconds from Slate. On the Google Home, I have queued up Democracy Now, uh, some kind of Bloomberg financial news product. I forget what it's called. Fox News headlines. I like to see how the other half thinks. How do you queue it up? Uh, you say you have it queued up. Like how, how, how do you queue it up? How so, do you create this so by, queue? By default, both devices, if you just ask them for news right out of the box, they play you in PR. And I think both, certainly the Google, hmm. the next thing they both play you is Fox. Um, because Just in case they NPR upset somebody. Box, yeah. box constitute balance. Um, but you have an app on your phone that controls the thing. Uh, and at kind of like the first, the first menu level, you can pick what newscasts are feeding to the device. You go through a directory, you pick things, you search for things, you slide them around to affect the order that they play in. Got it. So I have that level of control. So I have a little bit beyond just the uh, the voice control there. I have a little bit of an interface, but it seems like maybe my options on the phone on that interface are kind of limited. Yeah, well, it's not that your options are limited. Um, it's that you are overwhelmed by options. <laughs> so the, these, Paradox these of packages, choice. Yeah, these news packages on the Amazon are called flash briefings. Their flash briefing directory has over 2,600 options in it. Uh, and they've only got them broken down into like six categories, like basically the, the sections of a newspaper, you know, politics, economics, national, international, business and sports. Hmm. Uh, so each, each of those categories has hundreds of things in it. And nobody's going to go through a list of hundreds of things. Uh, they're going to use a little search box to look for things if they're a super motivated listener and they already know what they want, uh, or they're going to grab the things that are at the top of the queue on mm-hmm. the first screen they see as most popular. Interesting. And so as a listener, I mean, is this 
is this an enhancement to your life or is this just a toy? Are you doing this just for research or do you think you would go and get one or recommend one to, uh, to a family member or a friend? You know, I was shocked at how fast it kind of replaced listening to terrestrial radio in my life. Um, wow. you know, I've been and at, you're at a radio Stanford guy. <laughs> yeah. I've been at Stanford this past year on this night fellowship and like my wake up time is not as regimented as it is when I'm working. Um, like I would have different class schedules, different commitments. I might wake up half an hour earlier one day, half an hour later the next. Uh, so instead of like turning on my radio to KPFA and coming in partway through democracy now, depending on when my alarm clock went off, I would just ask the thing for my flash briefing and it would start democracy now from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that did it for me in a way that having it queued up in a podcast app on my phone and putting in earbuds would not. I, I don't know why. I know it was possible to do that with my phone, but I didn't. I get it's it because it, it's, mean, it's more like turning on a radio in that way. And, and it because is it is just more like turning on a radio. It is a device that's just there and, and you don't have to wear it. <laughs> Yeah, You know, I mean, I think people who sometimes treat their phones that way, and, and I guess to some extent you could treat Siri that way if you use an iOS device. But uh-huh. it's interesting to me how how you've just described this, right? Because it really is how people use radio. And, and I wonder, you know, it's called a smart speaker, but I wonder if it really isn't to some extent, you know, a smart radio in the way that now mm-hmm. we have smart televisions, you know, that, that yeah, already have I, built I, in I, apps and such. Yeah, I mean, our conceit coming at this as radio people is to think of it as a radio. That's not how these <laughs> companies are thinking of it, yeah. right? They're thinking of it as a voice-activated interface with the Internet. Um, many more people are using them to access music than are using them to access news. That's yeah. very clear from the survey data so far. Uh, people are using particularly their Amazon devices to shop, right? Mm. Like you've got your device playing something, you're cooking breakfast, you notice you're almost out of coffee. You say, you know, you, you tell your device to order you more coffee. Does that Alexa, buy Amazon Whole Foods. It shows up. Yeah. Does that interrupt where, where, your radio? Where I live near Stanford, the coffee would arrive within two hours. Wow. Because it's one of the service areas for Amazon now. Does, does that interrupt the radio or no? You can shop and uh, listen to your flash. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it interrupts it for like 10 seconds. It okay. pops it down and pops but then it back then up. It, it, but it takes, picks or, you yeah, back up gotcha. without losing anything, huh? Without losing a beat. Exactly. Again, he, we here at Radio Survivor exactly. are not endorsing any products or corporations, but we are, we are keeping our eyes open we're trying to, to, understand. to the changing landscape. That's right. Yeah. We're trying to understand and we're trying to provide good information and good recommendations. Uh, because I think also if you're, if you're a community radio person, a public radio person, you're trying to investigate this. Much of what you're going to encounter and read is going to be fairly pro, very cheerleading. It's going to come from the tech press. It's going to come from the business press. And not that there isn't some critical uh, reporting around it or, or critical opinions, but it'll be hard to find people who are thinking about it uh, in, in Wired Magazine sure. or thinking about well, it. If we hear a Radio Survivor issue. had our act together, they would have already sent us a free Amazon Echo uh, <laughs> last year and we'd be, uh, yeah, that's we'd right. be glowingly uh, singing their praises. <laughs> Precisely. So, so Brian, um, before we close out here, you know, is this something where, you know, you sort of described your, 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 your experiments with it. So is this something which frankly would be worth for a, uh, a, a, 
public radio newsroom, a community radio newsroom, or, or another, you know, an alternative weekly even, or another sort of uh, very com- local journalism organization. Entrepreneurial podcast organization. Should they go out and, 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 and get one and start messing around with it and really experimenting? Is that something you think is worth their time and energy? Yeah, I think it's always worth putting yourself in the shoes of your audience. Great. And I think, I think we're bad at that. Like I can speak from my radio station. We built a whole new website without looking at it on mobile phones. Right. Which is where most web use is today, right? We've all got nice desktop computers with big screens and we're looking on it there and we're figuring out how to cram more stuff into the menus. And then you pull it up on a little four and a half inch screen and it's a cluttered mess. And it was like a breakthrough moment when one of my friends from the fellowship program came through to do some consulting and said, everybody take out your phones and now we're going to try to accomplish things on your website. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like we we are power users by default. Unless we take a breath to think, how are our listeners, how are our audiences encountering us in the wild? Um, we're not going to be very good at meeting their needs. And so, I, you know, I think this is part of doing that. Like you asked about an alt-weekly. Um, if you create an RSS feed of your stories, you can turn it into a flash briefing, and the mechanical voice of Amazon's digital assistant will read your copy. Oh. Uh, and she is going to get more lifelike and emotive over time as those machine learning algorithms improve themselves. And you can even parse it so that she reads one story at a time. And if you say skip ahead, she skips to the next story instead of the next news product. So there's a lot of different ways uh, to play in this field that aren't just doing radio. I think uh, experienced audio producers will have a leg up on other organizations, but not for very long. You know, not, not if they're thinking about how to capitalize on the skills and the production infrastructure they already have to play by new rules in this space. Well, Brian, uh, thanks so much for joining us today on Radio Survivor to sort of um, break the seal on smart speakers here, because apparently we're going to talk about it again soon. If this, if these things really are taking over, if if I'm not allowed to call them radio, but that's what other people are going to, if other people are going to forget that radio exists because the smart speakers are coming, then uh, this is a topic that we here on Radio Survivor are going to be covering again. Uh, thanks so much. If people want to check out, and I recommend that they do, the article that you and Gabrielle Spitzer co- co-wrote, Will Alexa Destroy Us? And the us in that us is uh, radio newsrooms. Uh, they, can, they can find a link to that article at the show notes for this episode of Radio Survivor. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, and this is episode number 96. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Brian Edwards Teekert for joining us here and and telling us all about smart speakers. You know, Eric, uh, this is something which, you know, I tend to stay up on technology. I always have. And this has been a particular blind spot of mine, (laughs) in in part because I've been wary of the fact that these things are always on. The microphone on is is a real red flag. Yeah. and, and, And I'm not particularly paranoid. I try to understand the trade-offs. Like I'm on Facebook. I use Google. You I try have to understand smartphone. I have a smartphone, which could be listening to me. Um, you know, I, I try to understand the, the trade-offs uh, between what we get in exchange for all of this data. And this is one place where I've been most trepidatious. Sure. Uh, but after talking with 
Brian, I'm much more curious. I must say, I'm much more curious to, to, to try it out. And I suppose you can always unplug it when you're not using it. Although that sort of limits its utility. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But that's, that's not, it. that's none of its business, whether or not it gets unplugged or not when right. you feel like unplugging it. Um, yeah, I certainly feel like we might owe the listener a, a, a deeper dig into the privacy concerns and, mm-hmm. and try to frame it up in a good radio survivor uh, way. But yeah, these smart speakers, they really are. They really are what radio is going to feel more like. It, it, it's clear. Even if one product fails and another one takes over, it's clear that this on-demand, we knew this already before mm-hmm. the word smart speaker was on our lips, that the on-demand world of, of listening was the future and whether or the it present. Is, yeah, and whether it is in the form of a speaker or it becomes our television, it becomes our dashboard. Or our phone. Or our refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I, and you know, we've sort of the smart refrigerator is sort of always kind of a joke, but at some point, whether, whether it'll just be your your appliances you're talking to and it kind of doesn't matter what you know am i going to go buy a radio that's effectively has am fm bluetooth plus you know alexa is that over the horizon there's a good chance that it is or or i buy it's not called itself a radio but it's a home entertainment device that's aimed at people who want high quality music yeah. right that's essentially kind of what apple has uh, almost an offer, something like a Sonos uh, kind of thing, but that also it's going to be higher quality, but also has that microphone. What will put any given person over the line, and to what extent are they just everywhere? It, it I, I don't know, but it, it's better to know. It's better to try and find sure. out. It's better for us to go and dig in. And certainly, as uh, as radio not, producers, uh, both here at Radio Survivor, me and you, Paul, but also uh, all, any of our radio producers out there in the audience. Uh, it's time to think about it. You know, mm-hmm. closing your eyes and pu- plugging your ears and la la lying is not going to make the future of of uh, these smart speakers go away. No, we'd love to hear from you. Um, do you have one? Have you used it? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, you know what? what or are you trying to even produce uh, content for it? Let yeah. us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, just drop us an email: podcast at radio survivor. Dot com. And of course, radiosurvivor.com is where you can find the show. You can find archives. We're on episode 96, so there's a, a decent back catalog sure. there. But we also post uh, news and announcements and lots of thoughts about uh, community media all the time. So there's things to read. You can subscribe to our newsletter uh, that would come once a week to your email box. That happens right there at Radio radiosurvivor.com. Uh, we also uh, want to remind you that this is a listener and reader-supported enterprise. We do not take advertising, so we are supported by the generosity of our readers and our listeners. We'd really appreciate it if you join in and helping us keep doing this thing. Yeah. Go to RaiderSurvivor.com slash support to learn how you can do that. We, we have listeners and readers all the time ask us to dig in deeper to issues that matter to them and to us. And it's a sad but true fact that sometimes the answer is, oh my gosh, we would love to. That's going to take about 40 hours of reporting. Yeah. And that requires uh, time. Yeah. And we, we, have the, we have the expertise. And so giving us the time to do it is, uh, is part of the bargain. We thank you so much for tuning in and spending an hour with us. Thanks, Eric. Bye, Paul.